Thessalonians. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Well, today, by the grace of God, we're taking our main text from the book of John, chapter 4. I'm trusting God that as the message is going to go on today, that the Lord will speak words of comfort to you. He will speak words of encouragement and hope and direction. The story in the book of John, chapter 4, is a very popular one. But I found out that with God's word, it is new every morning. What I'm sharing with you today, I had the privilege of sharing it also yesterday, but I found so many new things, even this morning, because the word of God is new and it is fresh every day. So today, by the grace of God, I'll be ministering on meeting the real man, meeting the real man. The book of John chapter four, we'll start from verse one, John chapter four, verse one. It says, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Praise the Lord. I want you to take note of the word, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. I want you to take note of the word again. When someone is doing something again, what are you assuming? Beautiful. That means it has been done before. So when you look at that word again, you need to go back to find when did he go to Galilee before. You'll find that in the book of John chapter 2, And there the Bible talks about the wedding at where? Cana of Galilee. And how many people remember that story that took place on that day? They ran out of wine and the Lord did what? Turn water to wine. But something interesting was said in the book of John chapter 2. In verse 11 it says, This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee... And manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So Galilee was a special place. But there's something about what we just read. He said this is what? The beginning of the signs. Aren't you grateful that God did not say this is the end of the signs? Are you listening to me? It said the beginning of the signs. It didn't say the end of the signs. That means 
the word of God continually, which is Christ in us, what are we going to get? Continual signs. If there is a beginning and it did not say the end, I want you to know that until you get yours, the end has not come. Are you listening to me? I want you to know that until the sign and the wonder is manifested in your own life, they cannot use the word the end. And I want you to know that because he is a miracle walking God, continually there will be no end. For there to be an end would mean that God has stopped doing miracles. But how many people know that he hasn't stopped yet? He hasn't stopped. So when he says that he is going again to Galilee, it's a special place. It's a place where was the beginning of what? The miracles. And the Bible says he's leaving Judea to go to Galilee. And now, I want you to imagine that you are going to Victoria Island. You live in Ikeja. How many ways can you take to go to VI if you are coming from Ikeja? Everybody. Two ways. No, there are three. Okay. There are even five. Okay. Number one way, from Ikeja to VI. Third mainland bridge, beautiful. Second way. Qatar bridge, beautiful. Next way. Go through. Echo bridge, okay. Next one, Ekpe. Anyone, pass the sea water. God will help you if you cannot swim. <laughs> Any other one? There's a chopper as well. You can take the chopper. Brother Marco said that. That means that when you are going from one location to the other, you would have several options. Why am I saying that? When the Lord is moving from Judea to Galilee, I want you to know that there are other several routes he could have taken. One of such routes, history tells us, if you look at Wikipedia, it will actually give it to you. It tells us one of the routes he could take is to move from Judea to Galilee by going through Samaria. The second option he had was to go through a place, the scripture calls it through Perea, east of Jordan River. That's Wikipedia actually put it there. So that means there are several ways in which he could get to that destination. So he did not have to go through Samaria. There must have been something important in Samaria for him to have chosen that route. And it is what is important in Samaria that we are going to look at this morning. So let's go to the book of John chapter 4. Start to read again from verse 2. Go to 3. Go to 4. So he left Judea, but then the scripture in verse 4 says, but he needed to go through Samaria. Jesus, though having options, chose the route that many Jews will not go on. Again, thank God for Google, you can check it up. The history, history tells us that the Jews and the Samaritans, they hated each other. Those Samaritans were originally Jews. The only problem they had was that they had intermarried with what? With other nations. So as far as the Jews were concerned, the minute you intermarry, you are no longer a pure Jew. That was one of their major contentions. So the Jews would avoid Samaria. They would not go that, they would prefer to go on a longer route. Even if it would take them three, four, they don't mind. Just to avoid a people that were what? 
cast to the side. But Jesus decided that he would take that route. What's the message here? Number one, Jesus was willing to go to places that others avoided. I want you to know that something is popular or widely accepted does not make it right. Are you listening to me? That something is wildly accepted, everybody does it, does not make it right. One of the things we learn by his choosing to go through Samaria, though every other person rejected that route, he's saying that the populace are not always right. He chose to be different from every other person. Number two, by going through the route of Samaria, Jesus is showing to you and I that he's willing to have contact with people that have been labeled, people that are disliked, and people that are hated. I want you to know that every day people put labels on us. They can call you a widow. They can call you a divorcee. They can call you a single parent. They can give you any label. And I want you to know that we also give people labels as well. And unfortunately, we relate with people according to the label that we have given to them. I'm going to share a sad story here. There's a couple in this place, I will not mention their name, but I know them very well. The husband said they had been waiting on the Lord for so long, over 18 years. But they said something that was very interesting. He said in the journey of their 18 years in waiting, one of the most painful parts of that journey is that it got to a point in their lives when their friends would have babies, they wouldn't invite them for baby dedication, baby christening, baby naming they just stopped why because there is a label that what they don't have children i want you to know that not only do we put labels on people we relate with people based on the labels that we have put on them i've heard many single ladies say it the minute their friends get married what happens? Thank God. Thank you. They're even testifying. What happens? They avoid you. They abandon you. The levels have what? They have changed. Praise the Lord. By going to Galilee, Jesus is saying something. That, sorry, Samaria. Thank you. Many of us relate with people based on the labels that we have put on them. But that label that you have put on them is not who they are. The circumstances of life, situations of life, bad decisions, maybe bad choices, could have put them there. Sometimes it's even due to no choice of theirs. They have found themselves there. By going to Samaria, the Lord is showing that he is willing to identify 
with those that have been rejected. He's laying in a path for us to follow. He's laying a pattern for us to follow. Many of us, there are certain people you will not touch with a 12 foot pole. Because they will just contaminate you. They will probably defile you. They will probably stain your holy garment that is not holy. You see, I know what it's like to be labeled. When I was in Ife and I was pregnant with my daughter, one of the toughest journeys that I had to go through was walking from Morimi Hall to classes. I don't know if it's ever happened to you. I would be walking with my friend, one friend, her name is Jennifer, would walk. And you would see people stop and point and talk about you. Not that they're doing it behind you. At least if you do it behind, nobody even knows. To your face. You know that they're talking about you. And my friend Jennifer will say, don't mind them. Let's go. Don't mind them. So when it comes to people labeling, I'm in. I'm in that space. So when the Lord will choose to go to a place that others refuse to go to, I'd rather hold on to him. Many of us, you won't touch certain people. Because why? They have the wrong label. They don't fit your new status. They don't fit who you have supposedly become. They don't fit where you have just arrived at. But can I ask a question? How are you going to reach them? My daughter's first name is Jennifer. Not because I wanted an English name. But in a constant reminder for me. That when no one else would walk with me. That girl walked with me. She would say don't mind them. Let's be going. Don't mind them. How many of us will stay with people at their lowest end? You're all nice when we call for parties. We're going to Owambe. But I don't need you more at the party. I need you more when I'm down. Are you hearing me? I don't need you more at my parties. I need you more when I am down. By going to Samaria, he's pointing a path of life for us. He's pointing a direction that you and I should follow. He says those ones, they are labeled though. Nobody goes near them. Nobody wants to associate with them. He says, but I will go. That's why I like the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. It says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How many people understand that scripture? How many people have experienced that scripture? Very few people. Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? The Bible says he needed to go. When you need to do something, sometimes it's compulsory. Sometimes it's not what you want to do. Maybe. But you just have to do it. 
He needed to go through Samaria. I believe the word, the Holy Spirit led him. Identifying to us a spirit-led life. The Lord himself said to Peter, I think it's in uh, John chapter 21. He says, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, where were you going? Where you wanted to. But a time will come, they will lead you to where you don't want to go to. Many of us, there's so many places. We don't want to go there. God, we don't want to go there. No, 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 don't let's go there. But you know, it's not about your reputation. It's about the kingdom. It's about God, what God wants to do in you, with you, through you, for the purpose of the kingdom. Number three. The scriptures does not tell us why Jesus had to go through Samaria. It only tells us he needed to go. But we should be able to ask, but why? And I found out in life that that's the question a lot of people ask, why? You look at yourself, you look at your life, you look at what you're going through, and you're still asking why. And then if you want to escalate the question, you move to why me? But you realize that from verse 4, you do not understand why. That means God is trying to tell you something. At the beginning, you may not know why. But just keep on the path that God has for you in time. Somewhere down the line, you begin to understand. Many of us, that's what's in our heart. God, why? Why me? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? And you're not getting any answer because at the beginning, the answer will not come. But at the end, if you wait till the end, you'll get that answer. I want us to quickly look at the book of John chapter 9 verse 1 to 3. Because I want to raise a prayer point there. John chapter 9. It says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So what were they looking for? Why? Why is this man born blind? Was it him? I mean, that it was even a strange question. Does it mean maybe he was fighting his mother in the womb? So the punishment for fighting her. Blindness. They said, was it him or was it his mother's sin? I would have expected the Lord to reply, it is the mother's sin, it is the father's sin, it is the boy's sin. He did not even answer the question, but he gave a good reply. Quickly go back to that. He says, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sin, 
but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I want you to lift up your hands in prayer that Lord, everything that I'm going through, rather than the question why, rather than the question why me, rather than the question God, how long, rather than all of that, but that the works of God are going to be revealed, that is going to be the end product. The Bible says in the book of James, for you know the end intended by the Lord. I want you to pray for yourself that in the mighty name of Jesus, it is the end intended by the Lord that will be fulfilled in the mighty name of Jesus. That which you are going through, the works of God is going to be revealed at the end of the day. That is going to be the end result in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. So at the beginning, we don't know why. We just simply know he has to go through. But if you hold on to believe that the reason you are going through whatsoever you are going through, uh, the works of God must be revealed. It's the end that is intended by the Lord that must be shown. So he goes to the woman and he meets her. Let's go to verse 5. The book of John chapter 4. Verse 5, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well, it was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Continuing. Let's stop there before I continue there. The Bible says Jesus said to the woman because he was tired from the journey. And he said to her, give me a drink. (laughs) Give me a drink. You know, most of the time... We believe we're the only ones that have a need. Every morning when we wake up, Lord, I need this, Lord, I need this, Lord, I need this. We arrive the throne room, if it's possible, to bombard the gates. We arrive at the presence with what? Our wish list of I need, I need, I need. But before the woman said anything, the Lord had a need. I want you to know that God has a need that only you can meet. And rather than waking up every morning, God, this is what I need. Why don't we even do it 50-50? God, what do you need? Then me, I will tell you what I need. Because he said to her, give me water. I have a need first. The God that we serve, do we see him as one that has a need? I remember a message, Pastor, no, not Pastor, Dr. Jonathan David preached years ago. He said, if God had a need, would he tell you? Years ago, he came here and ministered on that. And he used Psalm 50. Psalm 50 verse 12. It says, if I were hungry, that is God. Said, I will not tell you. 
Why would I bother telling somebody I'm hungry when I know the person is not going to give me food? Is it not somebody that will give me food? I'll say, ah, how far now? <laughs> he says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. Why would he not tell us? Because he knows that we are not available to meet that need. Though that need, you have the capacity to meet it. And what happens to those who are not ready to meet the need of the Lord? I want you to know that God has a need for you. God has needs every day. I wish God could come down and fix everything by himself. But what does he do? He needs humans. He works in us. He works through us. Let's open to the book of Judges chapter 5. Because you are going to pray for yourself. Judges chapter 5, look at verse 23. In Judges 5.23, they went to war Israel against the king of Canaan. Barak gathered all the army of Israel together, uh, but some people did not come to help. It says, curse Meroz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants bitterly, because they did not come to do what? To help the Lord. Now, when Barak was calling for army, I said, oh yeah, please, we're going to fight war. Did he say, oh, the Lord is going to fight a war? That means that when they were saying no to Barak, what they were actually doing was saying no to God. Are you hearing me? When you are saying no, what you are actually doing is saying what? No to the Lord. If Barak has said, the Lord said, You should come and fight for him. Maybe some people would have followed. Because he used the Lord's name. But Barak just said, oh please, we are going to fight one. I beg, be going on your own, I'm busy. But when the proclamation of the angel of the Lord came, he said, those who did not do what? Help the Lord. Whilst he said curse, the one that chose to help the Lord, what happened to her? Continue. Let's go back to that Judges 5.23 again. Continue. Next verse. It says, Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Herbert the Kenite. Blessed is she among women in tents. He asked for water. She gave milk. He bought, she bought her cream in a lovely bowl. You can read the story all by yourself. She helped the Lord. And I want you to know that till today, the question that God asked the prophet Isaiah, he's still asking that question today. Who will go for us? Who are we going to send? Who will go for us? Who are we going to send? I know your list is long. But you know what? Before we attend to that list, attend to God's list first. So you're going to lift up your hands in prayer again. And you are going to pray for yourself. That Lord, I'm recognizing that you have a need. And I'm praying in the name of the Lord Jesus that I'm a vessel, Lord, unto you to use to meet that need. That my life is not just consumed about me. 
Life is not just about you, 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 you. What you want. I want this. I need this. I want this. I need this. I want this. I need this. There comes a time when what does God need? That Father in the name of Jesus, he will find you available. And you will be used to help the Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's go back to John chapter 4. We're just picking out some truth. God has a need. And you are the one that has the ability to meet that need. It's in your hands. John chapter 4. Go back very quickly. Go to verse 10. Now let's start from verse 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus has already passed that stage. He's going to go where others do not go. Then Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Continue. Then the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? He says, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As soon as his sons, as well as his sons and his livestock. Then Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of life springing up into everlasting life. Stop there. Now, the question is, Jesus is now telling her he wants to give her something. He wants to give her what? Living water. Question. Did the woman ask for living water? Why are you saying that you are going to give something to someone who did not ask you? What was the woman's mission in that place? To fetch water and to go home. Now she has met with you. The best you could have done is, Madam, can I do anything for you? So why are you telling her that you are going to give her something that she did not ask for? Because the Lord again is trying to show to us that he knows what you need. You see, you think you've got it all figured out. You believe you know yourself all around. But God is showing you through this scripture that you cannot know yourself more than the person who made you. Uh, I've not really made anything recently, so I can't really use anything. But I want you to imagine this iPad, beautiful. Let me use Wale's own so that when I drop it, you'll be angry. The person who put this together, Elder Wale, what is inside it? Do you know? Is there wire inside? Is there cable inside? Are there pins inside? All you know is it's working. But the person who put it together can give you a stage to stage process of how he put it together. And so when you have problems, 
Rather than bagging it, what do you do? You take it to a store, they go and fix it for you. God is showing to us that more than any other person on earth, he puts you together. He knows what you need. Except you don't believe that God put you together. Except you don't believe that he created you. He made you. Except you don't believe that, that's when you get to decide what you need. But the scripture confirms to us that he's the one that made us. Let's turn to the book of Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 7. Psalm 139, verse 7, very quickly. Can we all read together? Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me, Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, the darkness and the light are both alike to you. Want to go? For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, that my soul knows very well. So can anybody know you more than God? I'll give you two more scriptures. You can look at that uh, much later. The book of Psalm 119 verse 73. Psalm 119 verse 73. And the book of Job chapter 10 verse 8. All of those scriptures are confirming and pointing to the truth that no one knows you better than God who made you. And therefore, when you are crying, God, I need this. He's saying, no, that's not what you need. This is what you need. He knows what you need now. Even though you may not agree with him. Even though you feel that you have something better. But the truth is, you didn't make yourself. And therefore, he knows what you, you really need. You're going to lift up your hands and you're going to pray with me. Lord, give me what you know that I need. Lord, give me what you know that I need. The Lord knows right now the present state that you are in. God knows what you need at this point in time of your life. He knows where you are at. He knows your exact location. He knows your exact situation. I want you to lift up your hands and pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, that is my prayer even today, that Lord, you know me in total. You made me. You created me. Therefore, I'm asking in the mighty name of Jesus that you will give me what you know that I need at this moment of my life. Not what I need. Not what I'm craving for. Not what I'm hungry for. But what you know that I need even at this hour in Jesus most precious name we pray the Lord knows you more than you know yourself he knows what you need at this hour and he said to that woman that he would give her water 
living water. I want you to take note of the use of the word living water. Water especially. It is known that you can survive three weeks without food. Although some people cannot survive one hour. But they tell us that three weeks without food will be okay. But they said three days you will not be okay. So when he's using water, it's important. He's showing you that you cannot live without it. So when the Lord is saying to that woman, I'm going to give you living water, I'm giving you what you cannot live without. What you cannot survive without. We can't survive without water. In the same way, we cannot survive without the living water. Let's go to verse 16. Verse 16, very quickly, John chapter 4. In the midst of that conversation, the Lord said to her, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Then Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. I'm going to bring out at least four truths from what he just said in that statement. The first thing I want you to know is that God knows the type of life you have been living. By telling her you have had five husbands and the one you are living with right now is not your husband. He's telling her I know your history and I know your present. Do you agree with me? He said, not only do I know your history and your present, I also want you to know that I'm not shocked. Look, I want you to be very honest. If you meet a lady and she tells you, not me or somebody else. I <laughs> say, oh, how's your husband? Oh, he's fine. Oh, everything. I say, no, he's number five. What will you do? <laughs> <laughs> If you meet a lady that tells you she has had five husbands, you either do deliverance, either for her or for yourself, to be delivered from her. Or you will sit her down and tell her that she needs Jesus right now and now. Or the best thing is you avoid her. That person is dangerous. He's having a conversation with someone that has a past. see, many of us believe that God is shocked by your history. He's not shocked. God is not shocked by your past. If you and I would meet such a lady today, our response would be different. But the fact that he stayed, God is trying to tell you something about you. That I know your history and I'm still going to stay. I know your present situation, I'm still going to stay. I know what you have done, don't worry, I'm not shocked. You see, when you've done first, second, third, (laughs) by that time I'm still shocked. By the time you say five, I say, eh? (laughs) What happened? 
the Lord did not say he's shocked. He says, but I know. Sometimes we're so afraid of our past. We're even so afraid even of our present. But I want you to know that he knows both of them. Both your past and your present. He knows. So he's not shocked. And why is he also bringing out those issues to her? He's also telling her that what? That she has some real issues that she needs to resolve. You know, it's only a friend. Are you listening to me? It is only a true friend that sees and knows your weaknesses that will come and sit with you and say, please, we need to address this. The Lord could have avoided her five husbands and her living. But he chose to address it because he said that this area of your life is not working on. If you are truly a friend to the people that you call friends, then don't be afraid to address issues. Don't walk around it. Don't skirt around it. Don't avoid it. If you are truly a friend. But if you are just acquaintances, if you are just high, high friends, if you are just Sunday, Sunday church friend, hey, it's okay. The fourth thing he was trying to also tell her is that by moving from one husband to another, she was using the wrong solution for a deeper problem. And that rather than it getting better, it was actually getting worse. And that it was time to try something different. I want you to look at yourself and look at the solutions you preferred to the problems you're going through. And I want you to be honest to ask yourself, is it working? Is it working? Is it getting any better? If it's not getting any better and it's actually getting worse, then I'm also here to tell you, you need to change that solution. Thank God pastor has taught us what is the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting what? That means if you want a different result, what must you do? You must try a different solution. So I want you to look at yourself and see the same decision. You have been making it. The same decision. It's not getting you to a different location. It's not giving you a different result. It's actually getting worse. Then you need to do what? Look at yourself in the mirror. And when you are looking at yourself in the mirror, it's not to see how beautiful or handsome you are. 
You are looking at yourself in the mirror so that you can talk to yourself. Amen. 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 So that you can tell yourself some home truth. It's very good therapy. You should try it one day. Just take a mirror and stand. I say, ha, you are fooling yourself. You are deceiving yourself. Because you've been doing it over and over and things have not changed. So if it is not working, the Lord is about to prefer a solution for her. I want you to notice a very interesting sequence. I saw the sequence in the scripture. When the Lord said, I would give you living water, he said it in verse 9 and 14. But when he began to talk about her life, he was talking about it in verse 18. What is he trying to tell us? What God wants to give you cannot and will never, will never, I repeat it, will never be disqualified by what? By your present circumstances. You see, when I want to give things to people, you sort of all, you assess the person first. You can judge the person first to see whether they are worthy. That's how we usually give. You don't just give blindly, you give to see, is this person worth it? But by the Lord giving first and saying, I will give you living water, he's telling her that you've had five husbands, whatever, that one won't disqualify you. And now my prayer for you and my desire for you is that if God is not disqualifying you, please, I'm begging you, don't disqualify yourself. One of my favorite scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 very quickly. It says, for you see your calling brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Continue. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should do one glory in his presence continue but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the law. So I want you to tell yourself, don't disqualify yourself. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, don't disqualify yourself. Tell your neighbor, God has qualified you. Now tell yourself, God has qualified me. I was telling her that your history, that one, I know it already. Doesn't disqualify you. Doesn't disqualify you to be a partaker of the grace of God that I want to give to you. To be a partaker of the living water that I want to offer to you. Your history, your present, your past, it does not disqualify you. Actually, even qualifies you more. 
So after the encounters, I round up quickly. Let's go to verse 28. John chapter 4, verse 28. When the Lord had told her about this living water, told her about herself, what was the woman's response? The Bible says, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the man, what did she say? Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? What became of the woman after the encounter, the Bible says that she went to tell her story. I want you to take note of the fact that this woman after meeting the Lord Jesus did not go to Bible school. Are you hearing me? She did not go to Bible school. She did not go to a leadership school. She did not start reading the Bible in a year. All she did was to go and tell her story. And what is her story? That she met a man by the well. Who was offering her living waters? Who told her everything she had done? She came under, I believe, such strong conviction. And she said, this is the Messiah. He even introduced himself as the Messiah. I have found and met the Messiah. What is she trying to teach us? It's a lesson. You are still waiting until you know 100 scriptures. Before you open your mouth. You are still waiting until you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then when you are an expert in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will start quoting. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he became his only son. And then after that, he has become righteousness. No, 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 no. No. I want you to know that all you have is your story. And you know many of us that are seated, nobody knows your story. Because... Most of us that are seated here have forgotten that all that you have is truly just a story. You come here all dressed up on a Sunday. You are hearing God's word. You are even going to Bible school because you know more of that word. But this woman did not have Bible college. She did not have anything. All she had was a story. And based on that story, she went out to share that this is what has happened to me. Many of you, nobody knows who you were before. Now you are holy. Praise the Lord. Now you are sanctified. Praise the Lord. Now you are what? You are going to heaven. Praise the Lord. But who were you before? How will I know that your gospel is real when I don't know who you were before? Did you arrive like this from heaven? Did they drop you like this? I remember the first day Elder Wale ministered. I can't forget that message. Even if I heard nothing. (laughs) Wale, do you want to share your testimony again? Come and share it. remember his testimony thank God for Jesus in your life that he delivered and saved you (laughs) why are you ashamed 
to share who you were before? Why are you ashamed to share the life that you once lived? How will I know that your gospel is real? If you are trying to tell me that you are not this perfect person, how will I attain to your perfection when I'm imperfect? The only way I will believe your gospel is tell me who you were before. Paul says in Galatians, For you know my former way of life. Who knows your former way of life? Now you are sister, you are brother. No, nobody even knows. A few weeks back, I decided to do something very. I don't know whether it's my mother says it uh, is unprecedented. I decided to share my story on Facebook. I decided to share who I was, how I got to where I decided. And I decided to go in every time I would just sit up. I think I've done about three videos now. Because you must know that the person you see today has not always been like this. And therefore, when you see me like this, you must remember where I'm coming from. So that you can look at your life and say, if she's coming from here, and she's here, and I'm also coming from there, I I will even surpass her. I'm saying that for one thing. People are asking me, How can you be so bold? How can you be so daring to put it all out there? Because as believers, we no longer share our story. You no longer share your story. You are angel sister so. You are angel brother so. Hey! You, an angel. Even the angels are rolling on the floor. (laughs) They are rolling. You. But that's what grace is. That's what grace is. You don't need to know a hundred scriptures. That's what that woman is telling us. You don't need to know a hundred scriptures. Or you simply need to look, this is who I used to be. This is what I used to do. This is who I am now. I'm still not even perfect. I'm still work in progress, but at least I've moved some steps further away, closer to him. The Bible says from that one encounter, that woman went to share her story. And the Bible says many, many believed. So when Jesus was going through Samaria, he was not just going for one woman. When he was going to Samaria, he was going for many Samaritans. Now related to you, when God saved you, it's not you, it's the many. So when you don't talk, when you don't share, tell us who you were before. What you're simply doing is you have shut the door against the many. 
Are you hearing me? So when they call for evangelism, forget that Bible. Leave the Bible. You don't even know which one to quote. Leave the Bible. Forget the book. Leave everything. Just carry us. Say, are you going like this? I say, yes, I'm going like this. I am the story. Galatians 1 verse 13. It says, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism. You have heard. How did they hear? I'm sure he was telling them. A report was going around. How I persecuted the church of God. Beyond measure. And tried to destroy somebody who wrote the measure of books in the Bible. He's still talking about who he used to be. You, you have not even written one verse. Nobody can hear what you're saying. I mean, nobody even knows. Does anybody know what, what you've been through? Who you were before? Nobody. How would your gospel be real? How will your God be real? The word becoming flesh is people being able to identify you are, you are the Bible they are reading now. You are the Bible they are reading now. So you have a story to share. I'm sure if you go on social media and you hashtag my story, why are people talking? People are talking about their stories. They might be talking about it for ill, but you have a good intention now. You are sharing your story for what? For the purpose of the kingdom. So you have to do hashtag my story. What he has done in you, with you, through you. You don't need uh, Apostles Bible. Just open your mouth. Your story. But I want you to remember... When you do not talk, the many that are attached to your story, they are waiting for you. They are waiting for you. And my prayer for you is that before you see him in glory, every soul that is attached to you, each and every one of them, they will hear your story. Amen. You are no longer going to keep quiet. You, you, don't, you are not even going to... You are, this, is who, this is me. If he has done this work in me, he can do it in you. I'm not even perfect. You'll be telling me I'm not perfect, but he's still working in me. Let him come and be working in you. And finally, when his disciples returned, something interesting happened. When his disciples returned, can you go to the book of John chapter 4? And they offered him food. And says, Master, here, eat. They offered him something to eat. And he says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish it. John chapter 4 verse 31. He says, in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, his disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Then he said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Continue. He said, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying is true, one sows another rips. I sent you to reap 
that for which you have not labored, others have labored and you have entered into their rest. The final lesson and final point we can take from this story is that when you are in the will of God, you will reap where you have not bestowed labor. When you are in the epicenter of God's will and in the fullness of time, all things will line up for you. I'll repeat myself. When you are in the will of God, you will reap where you have not bestowed no labor. And when you are in the epicenter of God's will, in the fullness of time, all things will line up for you. Sometimes our breakthrough is not as a result of what we have done. Sometimes our breakthrough is as a result of the seed that others have sown. We're merely only going there to what? To rip the harvest. In the book of Acts chapter 8 verse 4 to 8. That same Samaria that the Lord himself went to. When Philip went to that same Samaria. The Bible says he went there to preach Christ. And what happened? Miracles, signs, wonders. And the Bible says there was great joy in the city. The same place that the Lord had been to were just a woman and many. By the time Philip went there, it wasn't just woman, many. It was what? The city. Because someone had gone there to sow that seed. I hear me. Now you're going to lift up your hands and you're going to pray. That Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, you will keep me in the epicenter of your will. The Lord God, Father, every area and every aspect of my life, God will keep you at the very center of your will. I want you to pray for yourself in any and every way that you may have deviated from that will, that the hand of God will be stretched towards you, that hand in mercy will be stretched towards you to take you back and put you in the center of his will. Lord, that is our prayer today in the name of Jesus, that each and every one of us, you will keep us in the epicenter of your will. Therefore, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, keep us in the center of your will. Keep us in the center of your will. If any have deviated from that will, we're asking almighty God, that Lord, you put us back on track. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. So today, by the grace of God, I invite you to meet the real man which is the Lord himself. For when he comes into the life of an individual and we invite him into our lives, I want you to know that not only will our lives never be the same again, but he begins to put us on a path, a path that is glorious, a path that is great, a path that is awesome. And that's why every other thing that we look for and search for, they can't satisfy Because I want you to know that in your heart and in your life, there's a space for God. Nothing else can fill it. You can try husband, you can try children, you can try money, you can try anything. Nothing else can fit it. Why? Because it's God's place. And my prayer is that you will stop using other things to fill God's space. so much for listening. We have to end it here today, but it's been a real joy to come into your homes. 
to unveil the truth of God's word. I pray that the word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.